Hello, I'm Marit Sneijman. Welcome to Calm, Clear and Helpful, a weekly podcast series on taking good care of yourself and others. Today our topic is making peace with a concept of death and letting go of fear. My guest is Belinda Brasnell, angel whisperer, animal communicator, author and regression therapist from Van der Beyl Park. Welcome, Belinda. Thank you so much. To our listeners, after our discussion, Belinda will give us her three best tips on connecting with your loved ones who have passed on. And then it will be fun question time. Belinda, let's start by me asking you to tell us about the work you do. Thank you, Marit. Uh, yes, I started experiencing angels after I went through a very difficult time in my life. After I studied engineering and my body didn't quite manage with that, I went into anxiety and depression. And so the angels reappeared in my life and I only realized that I actually experienced them as a child as well. And at this stage, they are just part of my life. So I love my work. I love giving people messages from the angels. And every time I get a new client, I'm so excited to see what the angels and also the loved ones want to tell them. So, yeah, I love teaching people to be more in harmony with their soul. You once wrote that most clients you see have been wounded by the death of a loved one and that they bear the weight of blame, self-blame, unresolved conflict or conversations they needed to have that never took place. What can you offer them to help them heal? You know, when I discovered that the loved ones wanted to also talk through me, I was a bit, you know, wondering if I wanted to do that because everything and everybody tells you that it's not allowed. But when I see the healing that happens, because people are so stuck in what was never said or never done or never acknowledged, and they just live like that their whole lives with that pain and resentment and blame, and they just become sick and their bodies give in, and then they have to pass over with that. And that was really sad to me. So when I noticed the loved ones coming through to bring healing, to give that child the support and say to them, I'm sorry, I never said I was proud of you. This was who I was as a person. This was the life I led, but now I'm a soul and I see you and I see who you are. And all that unresolved stuck energy can just lift from them. I see people that could never cry about the death of a loved one, suddenly just explode into tears during a session. And when they walk out, they walk different. They walk upright and they, they feel release. So to me, that's amazing because we choose to stay stuck and we choose to allow it to happen to us. I had a client, a lady who blamed her daughter for not staying, for, for passing over. And because she didn't want to blame the dead person, she started doing it to her husband. 
And she was completely ruining her marriage, her relationship with the only person that was left in her life. It was very tragic. And when her daughter came through, she said to her, Mom, just be angry at me. Yell at me. It's not dad's fault. And I could just feel that release from the lady. But we don't know these things. We think when they're dead, they are sacred. <laughs> and we can't be angry. And we can't blame them. So we blame somebody else. And the soul contracts, when a loved one comes through to explain the soul contract, like I had a client yesterday who was adopted when she was a baby. And the mother that adopted her was never nice to her. So this lady came through to explain the soul contract. And then her her biological parents came through to, to explain the soul contract with her. And, you know, it's just so amazing. But we need to look beyond what is real on earth. We need to look at the bigger picture. And I believe that's the essence of the messages. Mm. Yeah. So you help people acquire new insight into what's really going on. And that gives them that release. Yeah, I think every time somebody passes over, it's actually an agreement that was made long before we incarnated. And for you to understand why they went at that stage, of course it's for their own progress as well, but it it is supposed to impact you in a certain way at a certain age to to create something in you as well. Belinda, your clients find these sessions during which you speak to loved ones who have passed over emotionally and physically healing. Please tell us more. I would love to tell the story of the first session I ever gave from people that came through from the other side because at that stage I was still young. I was still experiencing the angels and giving messages to people. So it was very new to me. And I was invited to somebody's house and she invited her friends. So they all took turns to come in for a session. So this one lady, an elderly lady, she came in walking with a walking frame and she was really struggling. I had to help her sit down. And when I started focusing on her energy and on the angels coming through, the angels kept standing back as if they were making room for somebody else. And two young men kept trying to come through. And I tried to block it because I wasn't used to this. And I was just trying to connect to the angels. But they just kept quiet. And in the end, I said to the lady, listen, this isn't working but what is happening is these two young men that wants to talk to you. And she started crying. And she said to me that her twin sons both died at the age of 21 years, three months apart. And so I allowed them to talk through me. And they explained to their mom why it happened, what their life paths were, how they are helping her to go forward in life and how they don't want her to get stuck also not at, at the place they were buried but they asked her to plant a rose bush for each of them in her garden and to go and talk to them there so that it can be a healing experience rather than a sad experience and when this lady got up she actually forgot her walking frame <laughs> and what I later learned is that 
your your sadness gets stuck in your hips when you feel you don't go ahead in life like you can't walk on and go forward in life and she's been stuck in that so many years that pain of her children leaving her and when I saw that instant healing I thought who am I to deny anybody this so yes, the emotional release. Uh, I had a boy here, he was 22 and he walked in like, you know, very much. And when he sat down, I put the box of tissues next to him and he looked at me like, really? <laughs> By the time he walked out, he was crying so much and he was holding me and hugging me and thanking me. So, I mean, whoever we are, whoever we think we are or how strong we have to be or how brave we have to be, we need that connection to spirit to help us to just release the pain and what we think is holding us back. Do people find it strange that you communicate with those who have passed to the other side? I think so. <laughs> to me, it is actually so normal. In the beginning, when I did start to experience the angels again, um, it was weird because, I mean, connecting with angels is weird to anybody. It was for me as well. But now, I mean, I'm so used to people and angels popping in at any time into a conversation. Or when I teach yoga, um, sometimes they tell me something that's funny and I start giggling. And, <laughs> you know, but the people that know me are okay with that. And I'm in the place of my life where the people that aren't okay with it doesn't matter. Yeah. I'm sure this talent you have has shaped your view of death, but then something else happened to change your life dramatically. Yes. You know, I was giving messages from loved ones for a long time, and it's very easy to distance yourself from somebody else's life and to be objective because you don't have an emotional attachment. It's much more difficult when it's family and when you have an emotional attachment to the message they think they need. So I thought in my in my job and giving people messages, you know, sometimes I felt maybe they didn't think I understood because I didn't really have anybody close to me that have passed or my grandparents passed over when I was still young. So when my dad got ill at the age of 72 and passed over, it, it gave me the other perspective. And finally, I understood how it's not that easy to get a message from somebody close to you because you have certain ideas as to what you perceive or the messages they give. You tend to think, oh, that's just me. That's what I want to hear. So it's not the, them giving it. So I see with my dad as well, I went through a process where I sort of blocked him, you know, because I knew my mom needed messages, but I I knew she needed certain kind of messages that wasn't always available, wasn't the messages that he needed to give. And my dad also said, you know, not much happens on the other side. So oh, really? there's, there's no daily updates or, you know, but it gave me great insight into the shift into the other dimension because I could really perceive my dad I call it the enlightened form 
where they aren't w- with a body anymore. Other people's people, I don't know what they look like. I just get a sense of them. And with my dad, you know, you still want to see them. You want to feel them. And I think that's where people get stuck as well because we're so attached to the body we want to hug or talk to that we struggle to experience them on a higher level. And with my dad's passing, you know, I didn't experience it in the way that my family did because I don't see death as a a major shift. I was actually at a psychiatrist and where they do the tests, you know, and they say a word and you say a word and they said to me, well, we don't understand it, but you don't distinguish between life and death. I said, well, it makes sense to me because I don't. (laughs) To me, it's just a doorway. So my dad's passing was really intense in his body shifting, but really intense in his spirit supporting me, supporting us on a higher level. You wrote a book called In the Shadow of the Angel of Death, Why Death is Not the End of Your World, which is very much what you've been talking about now. Now, in your book, you share the path you've walked with the angel of death. Could you tell us about that? Yes, the first time I experienced him, um, well, I must say before, I didn't actually believe that there was a angel of death you know all the angels are so loving and caring and people tend to think of death as something bad and dark so the first time I experienced him my husband was working in Zimbabwe my kids were really small still and I was alone on the plot and I woke up or something woke me up saying check your son and when I checked him he had a high fever of 42 And my kids never, the medicine never worked to break their fever. I just sponged them off and waited. And with my son then, I think he was about five years old, I started sponging him down and I was really scared. And then I saw this angel sitting in the corner and it we were in a dark room just with a little light and I could see him sitting in a dark corner just watching me. But such a calm came over me. And I came into a space of complete surrender and knowing that if my son needed to pass, I needed to allow that. And the picture that actually came up was from that movie, City of Angels, with the little, I think it was a boy or a girl, I can't remember, I think it was a little boy, um, was escorted by the angel of death through the hospital and he asked the, this child, what was your favorite thing about life? And the child said, pajamas. And I thought if if I had to ask Luke what was his favorite thing about life, he would say, Lego. <laughs> and I just kept sponging him, but really going into that space of surrender and thinking, if this angel is here to collect my child, I'm so glad because he's so beautiful. And the next moment, or when I came back to myself, I realized this angel was gone. And when I checked my son's temperature, he was fine. So I think it was also, I don't believe in lessons, but it was an experience in surrender and understanding that we don't really have a say about when a child, a parent, or anybody needs to pass, but we need to respect that. Mm. 
The second time I experienced the angel of death was when I was going through my own death process. When I turned 40, I went from 40 to 47, I really went through a dark night of the soul. Lots of death processes, and we all know that. We all go through many times where you have to let go of who you were and put together something new and be reborn. And so the angel of death was with me, at my side, all that time, guiding me, showing me how to let go, how to surrender, how to be stripped completely of ego and everything that I thought I was until I stood naked as myself. So, and then after that with my dad, he came through to ask me to start writing this book. And he said he needed people to look at, at death and at him in a different way because we had to start passing over in a good space. Because when we pass over in a good space and look back at our lives and say, I've done what I needed to do. I know I made mistakes, but it's okay. Then you pass over into a beautiful space where you don't need help to move into the light. And everybody wants to pass over like that, I think. When I think of how my dad passed over in his sleep, and just after my dad had passed, he said to me, please say sorry to mum, <laughs> because he tried to wake up again, but his mother was there holding him. And when he fell asleep in his mother's arms, he just didn't want to wake up anymore. And I think, who wouldn't want to go like that? It's a completely different perspective. Now, the way we usually view death, as you've suggested, is with fear. Why do you think we are so afraid of death? When the angel of death asked me to write this book, the most important part, obviously, was to face the things that we are scared of. He helped me to identify the eight basic fears that we have of passing over or of death, basically. So the first thing is hell. Everybody's scared of hell. And even if you're not religious, I'm sure you're still scared of something dark being on the other side or being judged that you weren't good enough or just falling into nothingness. And so this is also something that I went into in my book to identify where the idea of hell comes from. And um, we all can go and study that, but it's just basically, you, you know, this idea of hell was, was then connected to death. Because people were scared of hell, they started being scared of death. And because those two became synonymous, you know, we started seeing death as something to be feared. So I think that's the major fear. The second one is the fear of the unknown. Not knowing what's going to wait for you on the other side. Not knowing who's going to wait for you at, on the other side. I tell the story in my book of a lady that didn't want to pass over because she was scared of meeting her dad that abused her as a child. And she was dying from stomach cancer and she couldn't walk already for three months and at the time she was supposed to pass over, she stood up and walked down the hallway of the hospital because she just couldn't surrender. She just couldn't let go. 
And it was a very long process for me and the, her family to help her to relax and to understand that he's not an evil person anymore. So I think the unknown is really troublesome. If we we all don't know what's waiting on the other side, we we think we have an idea, and the mind can form an idea. But I mean, even me that experiences the people on the other side, we can't fully give the picture of what it is we will experience. So we'll have to surrender to that and that trust. The third one is losing control which a lot of people struggle with. I said also when I do the regression therapy, when people have to let go and surrender, it's very difficult for a lot of people. So in order to surrender your body and surrender control of the mind is very scary. I often see that people with a very strong mind have to get something like Alzheimer's or, you know, so that they can let go, so that they start forgetting or go back into their childhood memories, so that they can go through the life review, so that they can ease into letting go and going into death. The fourth fear is the death process. I think we're all afraid of how is it going to happen? <laughs> How will I die? Will I die in an accident? Will I have a sick bed? Will I have to be taken care of? Will I be a vegetable? So there's so many things that scares us of the death process. And what the angel of death explained to me is that we actually have a choice. And it's not that you've decided as a soul, okay, this is the way I want to go. It might be part of that. But we also have a choice as to how we progress towards our death and the space that you're in at that stage. And that is why it's very important for the angel of death that we have a happy life. Because if you have a happy life, a happy, carefree life, you allow yourself to surrender into what is and into the, the death process and have an easier way of passing over like my dad did. The fifth fear is leaving loved ones behind. A lot of people get stuck there. And I saw it with my dad as well, in the way he apologized that he didn't want to leave my mom. And I know my mom made him promise not to go. And we all do that in some way. We are so scared, not for them. I think on a deep level, we know they are going to a better place and they will be pain-free but we are scared for us and we fear for us having to live without them. And so many times with clients, I see that they wait for permission. As soon as a son or a daughter or somebody tells them, it's okay, you can go, we'll be fine. Then they allow themselves to pass over. Sometimes it's loved ones from the other side that comes to explain this. I've seen with people that die in accidents where they don't realize they're dead and they see their loved ones by the roadside sitting there and they, they try to pick up their children or hug their wife and realize they can't. And then when an angel comes to explain to them 
and they explain to them why the family will be okay and will be taken care of, that they then release and go with the angels. But it's different for everybody. So I think if we can also in life trust that our people are okay and that it's not within our control to help them be okay, then we can also at that moment of passing be in a space to know that they are cared for. The sixth fear is the fear of being replaced or forgotten. Because I think we all want to be remembered. And imagine if you love your husband very much and you know that you're going to pass from an illness and you know you have to surrender the decision that he might find somebody else and that you might not want him to be alone and that it will be okay, that they might find a love again, but it will be different and that you won't be replaced and that your children will remember you. And this is something that I realized with my dad, especially when I spoke at his funeral. I realized that he didn't leave something physical behind. I mean, he built a house, so he left that behind, but that won't stand forever. But what he left was what we gained from him, what he taught us by his example. And what his grandchildren experienced in him and through him. And how they will pass that on to their children. And that's our legacy. And that's what we leave behind. And anything more than that is ego. And that's not important to the soul and not needed. In the seventh place, people might fear that their life was in vain. Or failure that you didn't manage, didn't do what you needed to do. So people struggle to pass over because they may, may feel in a certain religion, I've had clients, that in their religion they felt they had to be very pure before they passed over. Otherwise they would be judged and not allowed into heaven. And it, they became so stuck in that and always felt that they weren't in achieving it. And the more they tried, the more they failed. So there are many reasons why we might feel like a relationship with a child wasn't perfect or a relationship with a parent wasn't perfect or whatever. But I think that's where it's important to realize that you did the best you could with what you had. And that life isn't about building something or being good at something or proving something. It's about who you are every day of your life. And lastly, I think one of the worst fears are losing somebody else and you staying behind. People fear death as something that takes something from them. And then they are stuck in that sorrow forever. And to me that is sad. If you are stuck in that place where you don't realize that the loved ones are in a space where they are in such bliss. Because that's why I love my work. When I connect to loved ones on the other side, it feels to me like I'm in the presence of God. Because they are in the presence of God. 
and they are part of that presence. And if we allow ourselves to already experience on earth that that presence is within us, we won't have anything to miss. And when we realize that loved ones pass over to share that energy with us, to really connect with us on spirit level so that we can have one foot in life and one foot in the spirit world, we will never mourn for them again because they are so much a part of our lives. And they show it to me so much by showing how they were present at a wedding or just at a birthday party or enjoying the music in a car with somebody. It's just so amazing how integrated they are with our lives. Yeah, when I listen to you, I think I will need a lot of time to think about what you saying because it's it's all it's also helpful thank you so belinda how can we change our definition of death so we won't be afraid of our own transition into the hereafter what the angels have taught me is that everything is a choice free will nobody can make you shift anything but if we do want to choose joy and living a peaceful life, we can't keep ourselves stuck in that victim mode of being afraid or using the excuse that somebody was taken from us. I'm a, I'm a science fiction fan and I always take a lot of my essence or guidance from those movies as well. And there's a movie, Guardians of the Galaxy, where there's actually a raccoon. <laughs> and this raccoon says to another character that wants to take revenge on the people who killed his family. And he doesn't get out of that sadness and that anger. The raccoon says to him, we all have dead people. And that made such an impact on me. Because... Yes, we can go, go through the sadness and we need to. We need to deal with what life is and progress through that. But we cannot keep ourselves stuck because we have dead people. In your book, In the Shadow of the Angel of Death, you also take a look at the potential that develops within each of us to grow and become the unique soul that we truly are. Now that's quite a mouthful. What does it mean? I think the most amazing thing that death can teach us is how to live. Because if you don't fear death, you don't fear life. And you decide to take chances. And you decide to live as if every day is your last day. And you actually look at things and are amazed by it. And I must tell you, I have four Canadian grey wolves. And I'm very closely connected to my animal souls ever since I was a child. And last year, my cat passed away from diabetes in June. And in July, my eldest wolf with whom I have a very strong soul connection 
was diagnosed with cancer. It's already very bad. It can't be treated. And I also won't allow him to go through a treatment. And I made the decision to not put him down immediately. Whereas usually I allow that to allow the soul to not go through the pain. But something said to me, we have something to conclude. And because I was still mourning my cat, I allowed my wolf, Odin, to stay. And he's on medicine and still functioning and happy and eating and running. But I can see his soul slipping away. And I can feel that. But I look at him every day as if it's the first time I see him. I perceive him. I feel his coat. I smell his coat. I look into his eyes. I experience our soul connection. And I think, why don't we do that with everything? Why don't we look at trees like that? At flowers, at our loved ones, your child, your, your husband. Not out of fear that you might lose them at any time, but out of celebration of life. Are there any more stories you'd like to tell regarding this topic? I think our potential to grow when we realize that we are souls. When, when Dave and our loved ones on the other side teaches us that you are so much more than this body, you realize that life is such a short time in which we are here. It's, we need to look at the whole essence of who we are past this body. And I think the story that I want to tell there is my own, that I was born depressed <laughs> and ill. I didn't connect with this body very well. It's not easy for me to be human. I'm often the strange one, the weird one. I'm often separate from everybody else. But the more I realize that the soul connection is actually the real thing, what we are on earth and what we try to accomplish, for so long I tried to prove that I am someone. I wanted my books to be so well received and so well spread and acknowledged. I want myself, wanted myself and my work to be acknowledged. And when I realized how futile that is, because the angels always tell me, don't take life so seriously. Because you're here for such a short while. Why do you spend so much energy on worrying <laughs> about this short life? And that's so true. You know, it doesn't mean we can't put effort in. It doesn't mean we can, can't accomplish anything. But it mu mustn't be for the reason to accomplish. It must be for the reason for who we are as a soul. And, you know, I think by being a soul within a body, and the spiritual people will know about the aura, your spiritual body outside of your physical body, where you carry all of your emotions your fears, and everything. That's what people perceive. But what if people can perceive God in you, 
when they enter in your into your space. And I don't attach God to a specific religion. I mean the energy of the universe, the energy of life, the energy of creation, our true selves. Why can't we be that every day? If you invite joy and peace and get over your fears and to connect to your spiritual self, you can be that. You can live that. Not for anything to prove or to be something for somebody else or to save anybody, but just to experience bliss. And I think we can do that. Thank you. That is such a freeing perspective. Thank you. Where can listeners find more information about your work and about your books? They can go and look on my website, which is just my name, belindabrasnell.co.za. And that's without any hyphen in it. Yes. Um, I must say it's under construction because I'm on the way to start a new website, but they can go there. They can connect with me on Facebook and on Instagram where I regularly post um, what I'm busy with, the retreats I'm doing, spiritual tours to Ireland and other countries that I'm planning, my workshops. I also post daily inspirations from the angels every day. And I must say, it's inspirations that they give to me for my life. And I just share it for, for other people as well. And they are welcome to connect to me um, on my email at angelmessages at telcomsa.net. Right. So your website is under construction, but that won't last forever. <laughs> and I'm going to attach the link of the website to the Yeah, podcast. the old one is still available. And um, it does contain information about my books but it just needs updating. I see. And then, if they want to connect with you on Facebook or Instagram, is that also Belinda Brasnell? Yes. And I also wanted to ask you if you work online. I do. I've got clients right around the world. I also do remote healing sessions and remote connection with animals and loved ones. Now... For your best tips on connecting with our loved ones who have passed over. First I want to say, let go of all perceptions of what you think it must be because we get stuck in our minds as to how we need to experience it. And trust yourself. Trust what you receive. Trust your imagination, because they use your imagination to bring your pictures or just a sense of what they are trying to portray. Also, uplift yourself. When we are stressed, when we are sad, they can't connect with us. It doesn't mean you can't allow the sadness, but do things to, to uplift you. De-stress, listen to music, listen to comedians that makes you laugh, uh, listen or read uplifting books. The more you uplift your vibration, the more you are in harmony with their vibration. And I must tell you, 
my own loved ones, my dad, can only get through to me when I'm really in a no mind space, like when I just lock the front door on my way out <laughs> and I'm not thinking of every, anything else. He would quickly pop in with a message. Or when we're driving and we're not thinking of anything else, you know? So, but be patient and don't be hard on yourself and tell yourself you can't. And also make the decision that it is allowed because as long as you think it's not allowed, the barrier is up. Thank you. Now it's time for your fun question. Are you ready? Yes. Now you've talked about your wolves and I want to ask, if you could become one of them for 24 hours, in which activity would you most like to join them? <laughs> you know what they taught me, especially Odin, because he was my first. I realized that I wasn't experiencing joy anymore. It was after my dad's passing. And I also know that you can't just pray for something you don't believe in. So I said to the angels, I know I need joy, but I don't know what it feels like. So show me the feeling of joy. And I received my first wolf as a gift out of nowhere. I mean, I didn't even ever think I would own a wolf. or I don't really own them, they own me. <laughs> but the first time I played with Odin, I laughed like a little girl. I mean, that was joy. So I would love to join with them in that play. And I think I would also love to join with Odin's consciousness because he's so wise and he just looks at the world in a different way. And I think if I can merge with that for a while, I would be so much more enlightened. Mm -hmm. Thank you for talking to us about this fearsome subject which you actually unpack in such a calm and sensible way. Thank you, Belinda. Thank you so much. To our listeners, thank you for joining us. If you found this episode helpful, please share it with someone you care about. I'd really appreciate it if you'd rate Calm, Clear and Helpful where you download your podcasts. If you'd like a more fulfilling relationship with your beloved, if you wish parenting could be easier, or if you're interested in improving your emotional well-being, you're welcome to visit my website, marietsneeman.co.za, for free articles and podcast episodes. Calm, Clear and Helpful is compiled, hosted and edited by me, and the music is by Mart-Marie Sneeman. Catch you next Tuesday at 9.00.